Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Do we look that stupid on comms? The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 407 deals with our devils is sponsored by the Darkhold, where every day is Black Friday. Pete, as doubtless many a listener will know, uh, of course, next week is the winter finale, so fewer episodes than we are used to uh, capping things off. Yes, uh, we do not have a date yet for resumption, given that they are calling this the winter finale two weeks before winter. We're in the dark hold here, Matt. Uh, as far as when the show will resume and, uh, you know, assuming we're still sticking to the full season 22 episode order now that Inhumans is on the schedule since we last podcasted uh, an episode proper, um, things are a little nebulous. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the news, I believe, just uh, just breaking today that uh, that uh, Inhumans will air on thir- on Tuesdays. They did not next say fall. which <laughs> next fall, of course. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, next fall after the uh, the first two episodes are kind of merged together into an 80 minute movie or so available exclusively in IMAX, of course, um, that an unprecedented partnership. But then. Those episodes will be rerun separately once a week, kicking off eight weeks. I believe September 26th is the start date for that. So not quite sure how the audience is going to respond to paying for a really great TV episode at an IMAX that you can catch for free less than a month later. But Pete, that's why they're spending IMAX's money and not Fantastic Geek's money. Either way, we'll be bringing you that. We'll be bringing you S.H.I.E.L.D. when it comes back. We just don't have a date for you just yet. Well, Pete, let's jump on into this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser here, Matt, which comes back again in the unique storytelling device of this episode empty hallways, the empty control room at this uh, propulsion laboratory where the accident had occurred all the way back in early November. Uh, May asks what happened here. She expected a crater, Mac, an explosion, but it was some kind of energy weapon. And uh, May is uh, calling over the comms there for Colson and Fitz to report in. Suddenly, uh, Mr. Moreau, that's Uncle Eli, is cornered in a hallway. He's got some kind of uh, black obsidian-looking uh, sharp that he's carrying. The uh, four agents there uh, tell him to put the pointy object that he marvels is pure carbon down. Um, he doesn't. And they are all impaled, which Mac finds. He says this is evil. And May tells us, no, it's Eli. I see what they did there, Pete. Uh, Certainly, (laughs) my Pete, how the world has changed since the last Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has changed. Anyhow, um, they had ended in the beginning of November, certainly with a good good tease there that, that people will die. I don't think any of us particularly believed it despite the fact that they're going to take that, uh, take that supposition uh, into, uh, into the next portion of the story. But um, it's, it, it is a compelling start and one that, uh, one that little belies some of the, uh, the fancy storytelling, which is ahead, and uh, we'll, discuss, we'll discuss that in due course and why we think this particular episode kept looping back on itself. After the title card, we're treated to footage, camera footage there of The Flash with uh, director Mace watching on. He calls this a tragedy. Uh, Oddly cast in the voice of reason, only capable of doing that because of the amount of things she's seen in her three plus years here at S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Daisy says, we don't know. They could be stuck. Uh, May quickly goes to the fatalistic view or they're gone. Um, but uh, 
Daisy reiterates here how Coulson was dead. Fitz pulled Simmons back from another planet. There are, as she likes to think, Matt, always possibilities. Indeed. And uh, Director Mace agrees uh, to to this, I suppose, in general, although he certainly is uh, is taking more of a tone that uh, families need to be notified and, and co-workers need to grieve, that sort of thing. Uh, he also says that they need Simmons to come in to analyze the situation. Um, although to him, Pete, it's clear, totally clear, the Colson fits and you know the other two, R.I.P., Shield agent number one, shield agent number two. Oh, well, there were four killed. There were there were four agents. Well, no, I meant it was Colson and Fitz, and then the the two other guys. I thought there were four in the hallway. Oh, were there? Okay, well, yeah, there were there were a few. Certainly, uh, certainly, the, can we agree that they are they're the the lesser agents in the pinwheel of color things? The, <laughs> yes, in the uh, spectrum of of security there, um, and if he, of course, knows what Fitz means to Simmons, who is nearly simultaneously, Matt, unbagged uh, at the location she was uh, bagged and tagged and taken to last time there. And uh, there's a character I like to call uh, Nefarious Scientist, (laughs) uh, who then shows her to a uh, Terragenesis cocoon that she notices almost immediately. Uh, the explanation here is that this has been gestating for seven months. And uh, we know from watching the show, they're normally much, much shorter periods of time. She wants to know who it was. Matt, that's classified. Pete, the uh, scientist is, of course, played by Coleman Domingo, who uh, people like me who watched watched with bated breath the first season of Fear the Walking Dead and then quickly realized that not much was going on in the second season, uh, would recognize him as Victor Strand, the guy that owns the boat. Spoiler alert. Ah, yes. Uh, And not even on the IMDb there, Matt. But I have uh, the Internet Matt database for such things. And so do you, Fantastic Geek listeners. (laughs) Pete, that's that's just how it rolls there. But... um, certainly i mean a guy who who from what i've seen of his work is somebody who's able to convey uh kind of high-end intellectualism and professionalism but also a nefarious side which gee whiz pete that's exactly what they need from this guy in the handful of scenes that he's in um he of what's course... with the show rating fear the walking dead too between uh robbie's little brother and uh and now this character uh in supporting roles Here's what I'm going to guess. Maybe the maybe Fear the Walking Dead is on a different production schedule than um, most shows, you know, because it's right. coming out in the summer or whatever it might be. So maybe these actors are available and it's like, hey, they're on that show. Let's get them. It's entirely possible. But uh, nefarious science man, he's not worried about who he was, but he's worried about what he'll become. Back we go to Zephyr 1. Is May okay? Well, she will be if they're not dead. Um, She wonders if Daisy was right. Perhaps there is still hope out there. And uh, Pete, this is where May starts to discuss with Mac that she has the secret book of magic ghosts. But Pete, of course, she should not open that book, she is told. And um, that's when Mac tells Mace the plan. Mace, who has uh, come in here, let's hit Eli hard. Yes, she looks in that bag there, says it's the only shot they have to say them. The director interrupts. Uh, Mac shoots back that he has uh, a uh, he sharpened his axe and um, it's a shotgun (laughs) (laughs) as well. Uh, But they talk here about bringing Dr. Radcliffe in on this uh, before we transition to um gabe and daisy here talking about what's happened to robbie yeah clearly gabe is upset and uh, it's reiterated again that uh, may does not believe that robbie the ghost rider is dead uh pete i guess may has has like dead dar is that a thing can may sense okay 
Uh, probably a little controversial for her for her to be suggesting that, but Pete, maybe it's just a matter of the heart. Uh, with that, surprisingly, seemingly out of the blue, Pete, although we're going to learn there's some story connective tissue that uh, we'll be introduced to in a little bit. Uh, Mac lowers the ramp. He punches out a guy, and Pete, fair is fair. The show demonstrates how this, this guy saying, no, you can't do that. We're taking off. It's shown that he's hit unnaturally hard but it kind of doesn't register uh with that we have mac on a bike he's out we get a fairly decent shot of him ramping off the ramp and taking us to the act break pete act two here and we loop back we've got that empty hall again we've got the control room but now fitz finds colson they're looking for eli uh everything is explained it, it went all white here um fitz says that the uh his his best bet is that this was a particle generator they see mac they see may and we hear the repeated conversation uh and colson and fitz are you know responding to them yet we know because we've seen the other take without those characters that they don't know they're there oh i'm sorry pete i had just paused so i could give i could give our ghostly third member an opportunity to insert dialogue perfectly as though they were part of the conversation twist we can't see them you can't hear them (laughs) you can't hear them either which look i get the conceit of the episode and i think it's at this point where we start to circle back and we start to be in familiar territory that that, uh, shall we say, more discerning members of the audience, Pete, we're starting to say, oh, wait a minute, this is kind of like a bottle episode. This is kind of perhaps one of those those really novel writerly solutions to a mandate that you got to do in a, a less expensive episode. I'm certainly not saying cheap or inexpensive, but we have to come up with a creative way to save a, hundred, a bunch of bucks. And here we are back at that set where we were in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, I know it was maligned in some corners, particularly as we were live tweeting and then some of the the response after the episode. I, I like to call it the after show, Matt. Um, but, you know, this is what it needs to be in terms of an episode. It's a different way to uh, go about telling it. it. It's not entirely unique as if something like this has never been done before uh, and certainly within the genre. Um, but some of the response, uh, you know, yeah, there was some negative, but some of it was overly effusive, which not quite warranted either. Yeah. This episode is a really novel and I think unique, uh, solution to, you gotta save money. Simple as that, as I said before. Um, and, and great writers produce really interesting episodes when they are in those constraints. I think, uh, of the Star Trek Next Generation episode where full total bottle episode, uh, where the ship needs to be space cleaned by the space ray and everybody needs to to get off. Uh, Next Generation episode, Starship Mine. Yes. Written by our friend Morgan Gendel, he of the inner light. Absolutely. And the solution there is, story-wise, because it needs to be space-cleaned by the harmful space ray, uh, everybody needs to get off, and all the lights need to be lowered, and it's Captain Picard in a race against time and against the space beam and all of that, which means not a lot of extras, not a lot of different camera setups, etc., etc., and it's a really novel solution. This episode, to kind of be looping back through time, but not to do some sort of time travel episode, which I think you could, you know, if you said, oh, look, it's the space ray, uh, or, or the time gem, or the whatever, you could get away with it. This is a this is a great solution to, we have to, like, revisit and revisit and revisit sets in this episode. That said, some of the some of the praise online, this is the greatest thing I have ever seen. Like this was not Hamlet, people. This was this was a really neat way to do a self-contained uh, or, or, or or fairly self-contained episode. Certainly, there's a through line before the episode and after the episode, but I think some of the squeeing was "notice me, notice me," as opposed to "let's let's let's be objective with this is an episode that." that is kind of early to be saving money so behind the scenes let's kind of be concerned whatever that may or may not mean maybe it's because there's a 
bang up, you know, winter finale coming. But yeah, you know, th- this was not the second coming of 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 you know. So you're Iron Man. You ever hear the Avengers Initiative? Like it wasn't that. It was just it was a darn good, solid episode that did some neat new things. In the dark hold, no one can hear you squee. But this knowledge, Matt, has come from the dark hold. Uh, Fitz thinks perhaps that Eli was trying to enhance himself, um, but they passed through um, uh, the other characters there after they were not heard. And uh, suddenly we've got uh, uh, Robbie and then uh, Eli. And there's this, uh, the darkness I, I wrote in my notes here, kind of a sepia to the the camera uh filter um going on uh may and mac show up uh just a little late after uh robbie tried to uh to stop eli and of course couldn't uh colson and fitz see him uh they want to know uh how this is all connected here Fitz also posits uh, that they've got gotten into some sort of altered state, some uh, merging of the dimensions, et cetera, et cetera. Pete, it had me wondering, and maybe this is maybe this is too far a star to hope for, but let's say that ABC says no thanks to Agents of Shield season five, but Netflix swoops in, saves the day. Netflix wants to give it a little extra oomph. How about the theme for season five be? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. versus Stranger Things, and everybody ends up in the Upside Down. Hey, I mean, they, they certainly did their version of that idea here, and I, I'm sure when we get to our Level 7 segment in a little bit, we'll talk about you know what kind of repercussions this might have. There's this discussion here amongst the characters. Uh, are they dead? They don't seem to think that. Because Robbie begins to suffer a number of ailments, first complaining how his stomach hurts, then it's getting darker, their voices are hard to hear, this idea that they're trapped between dimensions comes to be what they settle in on. Uh, but Coulson is adamant that they find some way to let them know they're alive first. Um and our, uh, uh, they ask Robbie here if he has any hell demon tricks up his sleeve. Um, but after they've uh, gone through this dimensional uh, flux, whatever it is, this discussion here that there's a crew from Chinatown, um, Robbie, there's some even some humor here. Robbie says, uh, to Fitz, you know, you're you're a real doctor, right? <laughs> uh, not exactly. And uh, it is at this point in the story where where Fitz and Robbie are following Mace kind of into a uh, into a private room. Uh, there's a a button is pushed, and we get the the frosted window panes, not because of old Saint Nick, but rather for privacy's sake. Um, and it's revealed. Uh, by uh, Fitz and Robbie is there. He's he's increasingly in a poor state, as you said. Said Pete, um, but Fitz overhears uh, uh, Mace on the phone, um, laying out courtesy of the the good old expositional phone call that uh, that uh, Simmons is on loan to uh, to the senator, and it turns out that Shield does not know where she is. They did not put a. Uh, a, a tracker on her or anything like that. Her phone was taken away, and um, we have the the scene capped by by Robbie saying that he's dying. And uh, elsewhere in the plane, kind of in that storage bay area, that of course in no way is a redress of the set of the bus. Um, May monologues with convenient pauses for Colson to plead that she hears him. Right. Again, I think you can only you can only take the show to task so far in that you're going to have. Two people in a scene, and only one of the characters knows that they're in the scene. You have to have these thoughtful pauses. Um, and Pete, it seems that she does hear him, but it actually turns out that she's grabbing for the dark hold. And then we have the scene repeating here in this uh, in this um, interesting way to kind of double down on the double down on the time on the sets. Some story building, at least as far as background between May and Coulson. Uh, Nick Fury gave them a bottle of Hague 
that they've uh, you know squirreled away to uh, to open later on. Certainly touched on later in the episode here uh, as Robbie continues to struggle before uh, he was he was feeling cold. He needed sunlight or warmth. Um, he feels himself being dragged down. Uh, Mac sees the rider here. Uh, it infests him, if you will. He gets on the mic um, and uh, they ask, of course, as we've seen before, what's gotten into him. Uh, again, he's going after that crew from Chinatown. You know them, right, Matt? Okay. Uh, and with Fitz saying bloody hell, we're back where we left off. The one addition here as we head into the act break is that uh, Daisy is taking the car to chase after him and it's Robbie Reyes in the car with her. Uh, so act break. And then Pete, the rare, the rare Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. moment where we have we have moved away from this moment of tension with one set of characters and we come back to those very same set of characters. Daisy is driving the Charger. She mentions how it's self-healing. It's possibly alive. She's trying to catch up. Uh, to to that uh, motorcycle, but can't because of traffic. Um, Keen-eyed viewers, including uh, I believe I want to say JJ Nato on Twitter, one of our one of our regular pals on Twitter, noted that in one of these driving scenes, hey, the car isn't self-healing, and we actually get that explained later in the episode. So a little uh, little thing to stick a pin into for right now. Nobody pays attention like our listeners, Matt. Absolutely. Uh, back at S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, uh, Mace says this whole thing was very dangerous. In fact, Mac was not wearing a helmet. Pete, this is a reminder to our listeners. Wear a helmet when you're on a bicycle, a motorcycle, a trike, a quad. Protect your noggin. Buckle up. It's the law, etc., etc. It is. And the director here... Uh, with Dr. Radcliffe, thanks him for coming. Uh, you know Ada, of course, my sister or assistant. May have said both either. That's <laughs> uh, for times, Pete. That's for times. Yeah, he's uh, he's quickly uh, explaining her. May's going for uh, the book, and the director says, "Ah, we even have this manual here." Uh, and then there's another guy that uh, May has to even ask who he is. That's Nathanson, who she promptly tells to get lost. Uh, Pete, I don't know if there's a Chekhov's Nathanson, but I, I, I guess in retrospect, I'm not quite sure why Nathanson is there, if only to be named and then dismissed. Um, uh, not a huge point of contention. I mean, maybe, 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 I don't know what, but... Um, regardless, Radcliffe opens the book and we see him reading great camera view here. It's kind of from the looking up over the edge of the table so we can see him reading, but we don't see the text and he closes it quickly. It's too much for human mind to bear. He clearly is scared by it. And, uh, we know Pete, of course, that the dark hold holds many, uh, dark secrets and whatnot with that Pete, take us back to Simmons. Well, one thing I wanted to point out here with Dr. Radcliffe just talked about, you know, uh, and May saying you, you don't have to understand it. You just have to understand the science, Matt, which sometimes in, in this Marvel Cinematic Universe is equated with magic. Um, but Simmons, she is introducing herself to uh, the Terragenesis cocooned person, whoever that is. Uh, that she's Gemma Simmons, she's from S.H.I.E.L.D., um, and that she's there to help. Uh, um, she's then ordering everybody out because the heart rate is extraordinarily high. She's trying to calm things down, uh, make things a little bit more, uh, you know, easy for the transition. She tells the, the person, uh, she knows that, uh, they're frightened. She's had friends go through this, but we're, we're going to do this together just as a big crack forms on the back of the cocoon. Back we go to the Chinese gang and Pete, that's when Mac Ryder, a word first hashtagged on Twitter by our pal Mike Sorensen, continued to be used overnight and throughout the day today, including by some people uh, involved with the show. 
uh, such as uh, the the uh, wonderful woman who does the makeup, as well as Mark Kolpak, who is, uh, of course, in charge of the effects. They both tweeted Mac Rider, but uh, Mike Sorensen was first. And uh, we see the Mac Rider. He'd like a word. His eyes light up. Oh, my Pete moment of greatest interest and tension. We cut back to May wanting <laughs> to open the book. She can't handle it, says Radcliffe. Pete, if only they had a tool to read it. You know, some sort of master-made tool. You know, I am the Anthony Hopkins, and you are the, spoiler alert, for Westworld. <laughs> the second time in three days we're seeing a creator and his robot interacting. Pete, that's Ada. She's volunteering. And she's also revealed to be his robot helper to me. Yes, perhaps she is here to help that she could read this. Uh, and and the quick disclosure to May that she's an android, a tool, no offense. Um, and uh, as above board as uh, Fitz and Simmons uh, were able to make her working with Dr. Radcliffe, that they have to use her here. I'm sure not the ultimate end game for this character, particularly given the way that we leave her at the end of the episode, but uh, clearly the most useful uh, to this point, other than, of course, bringing May back from the dead. But if her files get corrupted, Matt, you just reboot her. It's, it's no big deal. NBD, as the kids say. The story then moves to Daisy arriving. Um... She sees uh, Asian men running and decides that this looks like it's the place. And um, she uh, does a sweet slide with the car. She wipes out one guy. She punches the other two. She shoots a fourth, which is a little, you know, Pete, I don't mind gun violence on TV, especially at the 10 o'clock hour, but it was, I was just a little taken away. I know that we're trying to, you know, kryptonite her so she can't force blast everybody. Um I was just a bit surprised to see her, you know, in cold blood shoot a guy. Um, but that is when she finds Mac apparently mumbling to himself. He's not going back. And there's a great, wonderful all-in-one shot where if you think that the mandate on this episode was spend no money, no way, no how, we get this great shot of uh, his transformation to the Ghost Rider to end the act. You could have done this with just the eyes. And then, given the constraints on this story as far as locations and how they tell the story, I think people would have rightly called foul. So here, you've done the head on Gabriel Luna. Now you do it on uh, Henry Simmons here. And we are fully understanding that whatever the rider is, is clearly in the other character as we end act three. After that act break, previously on a couple of scenes ago in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the self-healing car turns out only heals when Robbie is the rider. See, not a continuity error. Robbie also sees the sky, no pun intended, is darkening. Um, and he, he cries out to go left, Pete, on your left. And the car sees to hear him. Uh, Only after he slams. So there's some way that if they're intense enough, they can uh, influence what's going on in the actual world there. The, the blinker going and, and leading Daisy even ask Robbie. And uh, she may not like this car, but he loves this car. Back we go to S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ. Fitz yells over and over at Ada to read the book. And Pete, then she suggests it, you know, like we saw before. So continued suggestion there that there is a connection between the two realms. Uh, Fitz also takes Coulson to task for stepping down as leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. Though, uh, as old Clark Gregg sells it, uh, he really sells the moment as he notes that he was running an illegal spy agency with powered people on American soil. And uh, which I think is a good reminder, Pete, that as much as we mm -hmm. as much as we um, as much as we might have trusted him out there, out there in the cold, th there should be responsible people with oversight. <clears throat> uh, anyhow, Ada then says that uh, she was built to be the shield or reference made is made rather by Fitz that Ada was built to be the shield and uh, Pete in a delightful moment 
we see from Ada's, uh, not exactly her point of view, but from her perspective, she's reading the book in binary code, Pete. Yeah, this coming shortly after the admission by Fitz to Coulson that she is indeed an android. And uh, something I think that's that's got to be addressed at some point is that Coulson with a robot hand there there's got to be a little bit of at least identification or if not sympathy now that he knows the full identity of this character. But as you said, it was great work with the POV there. Um, and, uh, we shift back around where with Simmons and the cocoon as it's opening. Yeah. It, it, it seems to be a moment of success. Uh, she, she pulls the stone off the gentleman's face. Uh, he's happy. And then out of the blue, she is black bagged again and taken. And, uh, I, I think we are, we are well served to have that mystery, uh, deepened exactly what the particulars are. Although, uh, you know, based on dialogue, when we first saw this, uh, this person in the midst of Terragenesis a number of episodes ago, uh, the the idea that it was the senator's brother i think was said by the senator herself um and uh and he he certainly appears to be indian so i think that that's uh that's all in line with uh with that theory well uh nefarious doctor here tells uh simmons that uh they're finished and we're back around with robbie and mac here we see Robbie and Ghost Rider Mac uh, having a conversation. And that's part of the fun of this episode. And, and again, it's easy to kind of say, oh, this is an El Cheapo episode where they just recycle sets. Okay, I think that that's a, that's a mandate from the bookkeeper for this episode. Story-wise, though, to kind of say, that's weird that Mac was talking to himself and turned into Ghost Rider. Um, and I didn't hear everything he said to then revisit the scene with Robbie the other end of that conversation now being being held at a at a quiet conversation level and the camera much closer etc cetera, etc cetera. uh we're filling this blank as to this is who mac was talking to um back at shield headquarters though ada is making an interdimensional gateway with a a, a pretty cool effect of pulling those beams of light mm -hmm. together um and uh to get that act break happening there's now an opposing reflection crack thing on the Coulson end, threatening to pull him into the void, Pete. Act five opens with uh, Fitz having Coulson fight against that. Uh, invisible on the other side, however, is what Ada is doing with the light there. They, they wonder what she's even doing. Uh, Robbie says that Mac is a good man, that vengeance is not in him. However, there's the pain that uh, the writer points out there. He could survive off that for years, uh, that he's, he's never going back. And we have the head again of the Ghost Rider. Yeah, a little bit of a repeat of the visual effects, which, you know what, we're three quarters or so into the episode here. If you're going to repeat really awesome visual effects in an episode which does time loops without time travel... Okay, hats off to you. You you earned that five seconds that were really, really expensive. Um, back we go, though, to Ada, who has finally gotten the portal open. It was around this point, too, Pete. It kind of looked to me like uh, Fitz wasn't pulling Coulson that hard. Um, maybe they were just like, hey, Clark, lay on this table. <laughs> and it was, it was Hollywood stunt pulling that. Yeah. Is, I, is what was going on there. I agree. I'm certainly not saying, "Hey, let's have let's have some sound guys pulling Clark Gregg by the legs, and let's have Ian DeCakister pulling hard in the other way." But it kind of just it looked a little bit like I pull now acting, <laughs> but it's well, all good. Radcliffe pulls May back, tells her she would make a deadly mistake by going into it. They continue to fight, and then uh, it's let's go home. They're back. Um, Robbie, meanwhile, wait, 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 uh, Pete. Before we go to Robbie, and now I'm not, I'm not usually one for the shipping. Pete, I would have been okay if in that moment, <laughs> May and Colson, two, two, two fine aged wines who who get along, who know each other's, know each other's good sides, their bad sides. You know, they're they're kind of like like work married. 
if in that moment, Pete, they they would have kissed, Pete, let me tell you something. My heart would have grown three sizes that day. I would have been okay with it. Tis the season. Maybe a little soon, though, Matt. You, you got to build to that for certain. Um, but uh, Robbie seems to have taken the rider to hell. Uh, Fitz confronts the director here. Um, he wants to know where Simmons is uh, because I heard you on the uh, Fitz. It's me interrupted there before he was going to drop the truth bomb on director Mace. This is now where we get the full on Colson may, you know, when this is over, you and I have a bottle of Hague to open. Oh my Pete. You know, that's, that a, means. that's a metaphor. That's like coffee, Matt. They're going to get <laughs> some coffee. Pete, the Marvel Cinematic Universe drinking liquid metaphor for boot knock and analogy is now too deep. What will be next, Pete? What will be next? Um, regardless, though, I, I, I want to say that I really enjoyed the scene where Fitz is ready to smack a mace up. Um it's entirely in line with Fitz's character uh, that he, he knows it's a losing proposition, but he is Pete. He is hashtag all heart and he, he would have gone for it. And Pete, I'm not trying to suggest any kind of Freudian absence here, but uh, could, could Fitz and Simmons have smooched too after their, after their, their difficult departure here? Like why is the show stingy on amore? Certainly doesn't cost more, that's for sure. Uh, but Daisy explains here that Robbie pulled the rider out of Mac, um, but he's he's gone here. Uh, she's got a lead, told to follow it up. Uh, make sure you don't hurt anyone else, you know, other than the Chinese mafia who was killed here. Um, then we see Mac. Matt ominously looking at a, a card you could make out that it said the word hope on it yeah and he's he's near crying starting to cry uh emotionally this is not a place that they have asked Henry Simmons to go in, thus far in the course of this show the fact that he does it uh, so ably I think surprises no one but uh given that Daisy had just said um that Mac needs time alone. Okay, that's a good setup for this scene. And also, where's Robbie? Gone, it seems. Will we ever see Robbie again? Robbie, gone for good. Despite the fact that even spoiler-free Matt knows that there's a finale on next week. But Robbie, gone for good. Then we have, you know, Mac crying, the mystery of hope. Then, you know, we get the you know, the boom, boom, boom of the DeLorean or the portal or the whatever. And Robbie is back, Pete. Um, Mac and Robbie appear close to having a showdown, it seems, but does he want to settle one last score? Boom. To your tag scene here, uh, rather lighthearted start, of course. Dr. Radcliffe decompressing with the guitar, uh, you know, spitballing lyrics here about he saved the day, trying to, to rhyme words with Ada. She's not a Grenada. Doesn't quite seem to work. But I'll tell you what doesn't quite seem right, that she's in the next room, Matt, and she's got the holographic equivalent of a brain, might be hers, might be someone else's, and she's doing that rewiring effect on that. Pete, looks to me like Ada has a positronic brain there capable of making a data lore amount of gigaflops and such, and uh, certainly a surprising way to end the episode. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, first up, Uncle Eli Moreau. Pete, seeing Uncle Eli in this episode, his his appearance brief, but his powers great. It reminds me of a, a mainstay of the northern New Jersey uh, birthday party scene, Uncle Magic, <laughs> which, uh, which you can Uncle check Uncle Magic. You can check out on YouTube. Just on your own, kids. But Do it. he is—he is there. Uncle Eli is all too briefly, but uh, certainly an upgrade in the power department. And that—that uh, that obsidian wall that he puts up, speaking to an obscene amount of power. Wow. Uh, next That's up, just off the Matt, dome, Pete. 
uh, director Mace here, particularly caught by um, Fitz and uh, Robbie uh, in a rather compromising situation. But is is testimony admissible from the Darkhold? Uh, Pete, our legal affairs correspondent, says uh, no. However, it might be enough to get a search warrant particularly if you um, have incredible spy gadgets like Fitz might have. So certainly something to watch there. And I like that in the course of these seven episodes, there's been a bit of a, um, a bit of a cooling off for Mace. He's kind of presented heck back to the end of last season as the mysterious director. And then now we're kind of headed to this place where he's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place, no pun intended between coming out as an inhuman and the the still sketchy goings on with uh with the senator and um i don't know pete isn't it fun to see everybody's boss taken down a notch (laughs) uh not taken down a notch matt maintaining the upper hand is nefarious scientist man whose involvement here with simmons from uh, this is classified. I'm not going to tell you who this is to. Yep. Thanks for helping us. See you later uh, is certainly shady. Definitely is shady. Uh, I, I hope that they have that actor and that character back. Otherwise, I think it would be uh, it would be an, an ill-served tease. Um, we, the audience, can see the connections, of course, between uh, this new inhuman and his senatorial sister. But uh exactly the the machinations behind it were not entirely clear lastly matt not the ghost rider not robbie reyes uh moves over to mac here we're gonna call him simply the rider yeah definitely distilled uh vengeance in, in, in that person in that persona also a bit of a reminder that um when the rider takes over, the rider has taken over. There's very little of Mac. There is no, you know, use your willpower to fight it. It's just the same force of vengeance that we have uh, that we have seen all season. I really liked the way that they drew a distinction here, and you get a little bit more of the relationship between the the rider, the the infestation, and the host, if you will. Um, that that it's not quite as symbiotic as we might have thought before. Uh, there's there's this deal. It's it's the the devil uh, idea, principle, if you will. Um, so that uh, Robbie comes back talking about you know going on on one last uh, you know score settling uh, trip here. Um, you know certainly makes things ominous as we're coming into the fall uh, winter finale welcome to level seven time to analyze and theorize pete this theory i'm about to propose just came into my head as we were recording as you were saying how how it appears that the the rider is is uh not a symbiote as much as a parasite so pete here's the crazy theory i'm going to put forth Makes me think of the last time we saw a parasite, and that was that was the alien that was Squidward. So we also have this outstanding, by which I mean not just uh, not just incredible, but also uh, kind of unresolved story bit where there was the rider prior to Robbie who came along and seemed to to uh, you know to transfer the rider, whatever that is, you know, the guy in the motorcycle that clearly was meant to be the older version of Ghost Rider. Uh, for this newer version, et cetera, et cetera. Pete, what if we loop around back to that scene at some point and there's some sort of final final moment of glory for, for uh, the visage of Grant Ward and it's revealed that this somehow ties back to that, uh, that alien from the great beyond? I like it as an idea. I just can't see that the way they're going to potentially come back there. I I think there are other story avenues that might be more worthwhile to pursue. Uh, Vis-a-vis that, Matt, I will bring up here in the uh, theories segment, what is Ada doing with 
the brain? Is it is it her brain? Brain and brain. What is brain? What's going on here? I am sure, and I want to remind everybody, I am spoiler free. I am sure that she is working on upgrades for her own brain. She is approaching this self-awareness. And <laughs> since this has been an increasing uh, discussion in the pop culture zeitgeist in the last month, what with the uh, the rise of Westworld, and don't want to spoil for those who aren't caught up, but get caught up before you get the heck spoiled out of you. Um, I think she's on this road towards self-awareness or self-determination uh, or or more self-control. And she's she's looking for that upgrade herself, Pete. She wants to modify. She wants to upgrade. She wants it all. Transmissions. Let's check the wire. Matt, first up via Twitter from uh, our follower and listener here, Serendipity. 824 uh had actually asked over twitter uh missed the the tag scene there what happened uh we got into a conversation on direct messages because i didn't want to put out the tag scene for the west coast that hadn't seen it yet um the description of of what had happened uh she says oh dear i hope this doesn't go the ultron route uh, to which I responded, nah, what could go wrong? Uh, she said, oh, I'm sure she's just going to use it for uh, the good and replace Stephen Strange as the top neurosurgeon. Or, you know, build herself a new brain uh, counter to her programming and go all Jocasta on everything. Or more Ultron. We'll see. Pete, interesting theory there. I dare say that the show would be ill-served to go an Ultron route or something that was kind of so explicitly Ultron uh, just because it would be derivative. That said, uh, clearly this Ada character is um, someone who's going to be in play perhaps longer than Ghost Rider. I mean, starting to get st uh, story uh, suggestions here that uh, it'll be his swan song uh, after this uh, after this next episode time will tell but clearly they're in it for the the long haul with ada and um i kind of would hate i mean regardless of whatever the other storylines are going to be explored and whatever the future is of the show and all that i kind of would hate to conclude this season with you know and thus ada was dead the pinocchio who never was made into a real girl Matt, one of the other ways we can hear from you is when you leave a uh, review for us on iTunes. And we had a review left on the Fantastic Geek podcasting pop culture uh, feed on iTunes. Uh, this was left by ATL Word Finder. The headline here is, I never miss one of their recaps, five stars. And it reads, I discovered Fantastic Geek with their coverage of the sadly defunct Agent Carter and quickly started listening to all of their programming following each viewing of Marvel's shows and movies. Well-structured and polished, the podcast offer concise and thorough recaps as well as background information that enhance my enjoyment of Marvel's offerings. The behind-the-scenes knowledge really sets this group of podcasts apart. It's the gold standard of marvel discussions online wow thank you so much that is uh th th that was an uh effusive uh review there and then to be capped off by the notion of the gold standard pete remind me we got to write that down we got to turn that into a <laughs> into a, a a gif or a jpeg or something um because uh wow su such flattering words and certainly pete part of the reason uh, a big reason why we keep doing what we do week after week for what's got to be over 100 weeks, if not getting close to 150 weeks here, Pete, is uh, because we know that there's that audience out there listening and enjoying and, and joining in on the uh, the discussion. So thanks so much for that iTunes review. Yes, and uh, you can leave reviews for us either on uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed or the uh, Fantastic Geek uh, pop culture feed either is great we love to hear from you matt who else do we love though we of course love our patrons from patreon.com slash fantastic geek uh sent out a little bonus to them just uh just a couple days ago as uh, as i recall 
and um, they, of course, help keep the podcast afloat with the uh, storage and bandwidth costs that uh, not only the new episodes incur, but just kind of the, the package as a whole to stay up. It is supported by the listeners, and we appreciate that so much. So thank you, patrons, especially Pete. We have a, a, a special patron we want to mention. That would be the one and only Mary Kirk. So thanks again for uh, the level that you donate. And uh, we couldn't do it without any of you. Pete, people who want to join in on the conversation, what's that, what's that starter level? What's, that, what, what, what's that, that my first interaction with Fantastic Geek? Where does that happen? That would happen on the Twitter, Matt. And where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on the Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 8,609 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast, nay, the Fantastic Geek family of podcasts, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in a whole variety of ways. That's fantastic with a PH. You can find us on fantasticgeek.com. You can uh, leave a, an email at fantasticgeek at gmail.com or visit us on Twitter or Instagram where we are fantastic geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with the PH all one word. We have passed 300 likes, always looking for more. And when you like us there, you get connected not only with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., recently concluded uh, Luke Cage podcast, at least as far as season one, what we have so far, uh, the upcoming Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek, Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek. You get the whole kit and caboodle all with one flick of the keyboard, nay, the thumb. (laughs) That's how it works these days, Pete. You can't use all your fingers. You've got to just one flick of the thumb on the on the phone, and uh, yeah, and you're subscribed to the uh, to the Pop Culture Podcast there. Anyhow, Pete, we will be back next week to talk more Agents of Shield, and uh, and certainly the last episode of Agents of Shield for 2016. So with that, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. My axe is plenty sharp, and a shotgun. 